Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So how have you been this week? Uh, it's been it's been an interesting week. It's been a very long work week. Yeah, uh, you, you know, said you needed to blow off some steam tonight. So come on, let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's one of those things. Like it's always rough going back from the Thanksgiving holiday. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants stuff. They expect you to have it done. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, five minutes after they ask for it, uh, even though that's impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, but one thing I did get to do that was pretty fun. Um, I went with a few friends uh, out of town, had a nice little weekend getaway over in Tallahassee, um, spent time with friends, uh, took my friend's 18 uh, month old kid to his first football game. Wow. So that was pretty fun. Uh, did uh, the Jingle Bell run, which is every, uh, every December in downtown Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. It's the fir- fourth year in a row that I've done it. Um, it's just, you know, fun thing to do and then we have beer and pizza afterwards and just hang out so that's awesome it it was it was a nice uh it was a nice weekend getaway and it was it was much needed after um after a very very long week (laughs) some of the stuff i'll um i'll tell you off air yeah i i I got it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but how Um, was your week it was good um you know Going back to work after having, you know, almost a week off for Thanksgiving is is rough, especially this time of the year being um, in the clothing industry. I am a screen printer slash graphic designer, that type of stuff. It's so busy this time of the year and everybody wants 
Christmas t-shirts and it ruins the holiday season for me. <laughs> Looking at these same t-shirts all day with happy and cheer and Merry Christmas and Rudolph. And, and you feel and you feel everything but that. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I want my vacation. Well, it, it's funny because, you know, this is supposed to be, as the song says, the most wonderful time of the year. But there's just something about the holiday season that brings out the absolute worst in people. <laughs> Yeah. Like I've run into so many jackasses over the last week. It's ridiculous. Sorry. I was uh, Friday. I was in um, I was in Sam's Club just picking up a few things. And this older couple like whenever you leave Sam's for those who have never been to a Sam's, when you check out at the cash register, you have to get your receipt checked by this lady or whoever is standing like at the at the door this old couple who I guess is, uh, to put it bluntly, out of fucks to give, they um, <laughs> they just flat out cut me off and just walk ahead of me. And I'm like, whatever. And then get my stuff checked. And then this couple is still like, there's a sliding glass door you have to go through to go into a little lobby. And then you go through the second door to go outside. Yeah. Well, they're standing in the um, the doorway to go outside. And uh, I guess they're switching from, you know, regular glasses to sunglasses. And this older lady uh, tries to go around them, and this couple will not let her walk by them. <laughs> like, just bluntly won't do it. And then they just – they don't acknowledge her at all, and they just put their sunglasses on and walk away. Yeah, and then, like, wow, that's – that that's messed up. I experience stuff like that all the time, and I'm just like – it's almost like people just – don't care about the the immediate world around them, especially whether it's in the grocery store and people want to stand in the freaking aisle and talk to someone they haven't seen apparently in 15 years and not let you pass because they both want to like, you know, their their carts are facing this way uh, opposite one another and they're sitting there talking in the middle of the freaking aisle and won't get out of the way. And then, of course, there's the people that drive slowly in the left lane, and you know I have to deal oh, with yeah. that stuff every day. I experienced day. that on the drive home today. Yeah. So people, just pay attention to the world around you, please. Please, just a little bit. Be kind, and be observant. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh oh. Let me. Uh oh. Uh -oh. I'm going to have to pause this and call Derek back because Skype is taking a dump. And we're back. Sorry about that. Uh, we have a little connection problem because Skype had this huge update the other day. Uh, if anybody out there is a podcaster, you realize how awful Skype really is. And um, I think Derek and I are probably going to make the move to Discord here pretty soon. Anything that's not Skype. Yeah, Skype is awful and then it's like every time they try it's like you get used to to one crap version and then they try to fix everything and they just make everything worse i just don't understand how an alternative version of skype has not been developed well, in all the years that discord. skype's been around discord is okay we use it for the pop culture palette uh it just hasn't had video and i haven't tried the video yet so maybe we should try that test it out this week and see if it works because yeah. if it is by Skype, you suck. So, Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking about before all that uh, that happened. 
uh, inconsiderate people during the holidays. Oh, yeah, inconsiderate people during the holidays. So people, take my advice and just be nice to one another. You know, one kind gesture every day can cascade into kind gestures all over the world. <laughs> so that's all I have to say on that subject. Yeah, same here, pretty much. Um, but one thing I did do this week is uh, playing some Breath of the Wild. I'm actually almost finished. <clears throat> I got the Master Sword last night. And um, I actually only have one more Divine Beast to get. Uh, I actually just stumbled across the uh, the big bird one the other mm -hmm. night while I was trying to get enough um, shrines to get enough hearts to pull out the, the Master Sword because you need a minimum of 13 hearts. And mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> as I've been going along in the game, if I'd have known that, I would have filled up my heart container sooner. But I've been filling up my stamina bar so that I can climb you know, mountains better, which is still not a bad thing to do. Yeah. Um, cause you need it. Yeah. You definitely need a lot of stamina in this game. Uh, and I actually got the, um, the, the climbing ha uh, cap the other day too, that makes oh, you cool. climb faster and use less, uh, stamina. Got that. Um, and I ended up getting the, the bird divine beast. I don't remember the exact name of it. Uh, and that one was really easy. Like com mm -hmm. compared to the camel one, the, the camel one took me like two, two and a half days to get through because I was just trying to figure mm -hmm. out all the puzzles and then having to defeat uh, the Ganon on that one, the Thunderblight Ganon. Um, but then I got on the bird, and that one took me less than an hour to do the whole thing, and I defeated mm -hmm. Ganon on the first try. I was like, wow, wish they were all that easy. Oh, so you've got uh, the last one you have left is the salamander. Yep, the salamander. That's a fu that's a fun one. Uh, of course, I didn't one. know that you had to pick up some uh, fireproof. Um, what do you call it? The elixir. Some uh, yeah, yeah, fireproof elixir. I got all the way up the mountain and I'm like on fire as I'm running <laughs> and I'm trying to like and I'm I'm eating all this food that's like you know heat resistant food. I'm like. Why are my weapons it's not doing anything? I, yeah, it's not doing anything. Why am I on fire? So I, I paused it and I went online. I'm like, how do I get to the the what are they called the the Grogans or the Gorons? The Gorons. The Gorons. I'm like, how mm -hmm. do I get to their like town without dying? Uh, and it says, oh, you have to talk to this one person, uh, this one lady at the the stable, like right before you get to the mountain. I'm like. Good Lord. So I had to like travel, you know, fast travel back to the shrine there at the, that horse stable so I could go get the fireproof elixir to get back up the mountain. And that was awful. Like I hated having to go back through that all again. Yeah. Unfortunately, the elixir is something you have to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you just, you're literally running and you're on fire because you're near yeah. a volcano. Um, and then you get to the, uh, the town, the Goron town, and you have to buy the fireproof suit and you need mm -hmm. a minimum of like $4,000, uh, 4,000 rupees, rupees. Yeah, to get the whole, the complete suit. So I'm like, thank God I had the money to buy that suit or I would have had yeah. to like go back and like, you know, try to like kill stuff for a couple of hours to get enough stuff to sell. But yeah, yeah, that game is fun, but there's sometimes you just run across stuff and you're just like, the hell am I supposed to do? I'm literally on fire when I'm running. Like, what do I do? 
and have to go like yeah. cheat and look online and be like, oh, I'm supposed to talk to this person to get an elixir. That's what's happening. Yeah, that game can be a very cruel mistress, but it's yeah. so much fun. Or you're running. So and the fun. thing that bugs me is like when I'm running and I'm trying to get somewhere and then my shrine thing starts going off and then I've got to go off in a complete different direction to get the shrine. Yeah. And then I've got to like jump off of the mountain to get down to the, the you know ground level. And then I get done with the shrine and I'm like, well, shit, how do I get back up to where I was going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love that game. It's probably, uh, it's probably one of the best games I've played in the past 10 years easily. Easily. I would agree with that. And I haven't played Mario Odyssey yet. That's my next purchase. I'm going to get it at Christmas because I should be done with Zelda by the time my Christmas vacation gets here. Uh, and I'm going to get Mario Odyssey. But as of right now, Legend of Zelda game of the year for me. Easy. Like, there's no competition. Yeah. No, it, it's it's a really really good game, and you'll love Odyssey too. I I beat the I beat the main story a couple of weeks ago, and have just been going through collecting more power moons. And there's so much nostalgia in that game, and the game so like the detail in it is just so good. A lot like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the the detail in these two games are just so so good. And I've heard a lot of people online, like a lot, I've watched a lot of videos and stuff, and people talking about the game over the past you know six months or so. People are talking about, you know, I really don't like the art style. Like, the the world looks great, but, like, the characters and stuff, like, they wanted it more of a realistic look to, you know, the game. And I'm like, that just doesn't, that wouldn't work for me. I mean, that's what makes Zelda so great is that it has those stylized graphics like that. And yeah. that's why it's endured as long as it have. Like, this game, you know, it's got that, you know, cartoonish quality to it that, You'll be able to go back and play this game, you know, 20 years from now and be like, damn, this game still looks good. If you come, I mean, as good as, you know, Skyrim looks to us now or, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5, is, are those games going to hold up 20 years from now? You know, because they are so realistic looking to us now. Because think about it, you know, 20 years ago, we were looking at like... <laughs> um, uh, I don't know, like GoldenEye going, man, this looks real. <laughs> and you look at it now and it's like, Ugh! it's like most of you yeah. want to vomit looking at it. Well, Breath of the Wild definitely has like a, it has a timeless look to it. And I, I think that same thing about the Wind Waker, you know, Wind Waker yeah. got crapped on because of its cartoonish style, but it's look still holds up to this yeah. day. It and they up. did, they, they tried the realistic route with Twilight Princess. And to me, that's in like my, my if I were to list like my rankings, Twilight Princess would be in the yeah. bottom half. That's I was just going to say that as soon as you said Twilight Princess, that's probably I know I haven't played all the Zelda games like I've never played Majora's Mask. Um, what else did I not play? Uh, I played Wind Waker. Um, I uh, there was a couple that I missed, but Twilight Princess is probably my least favorite Zelda game. Yeah, it's definitely towards the bottom for me. Yeah. I just didn't... I just Something about that game... Like, I was really excited about it when it first came out. And I got it for the GameCube. Because at the time, it came, that was one of the very last games for the GameCube. 
to come mm-hmm. out and then it was also released at the same time that always seems to happen with zelda games it's either like at the very end of a console cycle at the beginning of another console cycle so there's like two versions to get like this one there's a wii u version and uh you know the the switch version, the switch version. yeah or uh, breath of the wild but yeah when twilight princess came out i had the gamecube at the time and i think i played I put maybe 15 hours into it and I didn't even finish it. I was like, I just, I I couldn't get into it. Yeah. It had, the story had an interesting, an interesting twist, but the ending was very anticlimactic to me because you just, you just kind of beat Ganondorf. Yeah. And that's it. Well, there was like also too, like a really long, I mean, I may be remembering this incorrectly. Wasn't there like a really long, like tutorial, period at the beginning of the game that was like five hours long like learning how to you know shoot arrows and how to shoot the arrow on the horse and like all that different like learning how to ride a horse and all that kind of stuff i'm like i don't want to do this like let me learn this stuff as the game goes on like don't make me have to do like a five hour tutorial of how to play the game just let me play the game and figure it out you know yeah no, I totally agree. Yeah, I feel like they kind of took maybe a little bit of a step backwards with that, with uh, Twilight Princess. But dude, Breath of the Wild, whoo, that's so good. I love it's it. So, I love it so, much. so good. I, I texted I, Derek the other day. I was like, I think I may have a problem because <laughs> all I do all day is think about, oh, I can't wait to get home so I can play Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so you can get your fix. I need my fix. I need it. <laughs> you got some more of that Breath of the Wild. <laughs> uh, you uh, need that go. Dave Chappelle meme. You got any more yeah. of that Breath of the Wild? You got any more of that Zelda Breath of the Wild? <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on into this, uh, our news for the week. Speaking of the Nintendo Switch, coming from Engadget, uh, 8-Bit Do, I think that's how you pronounce it, 8-Bit Do's wireless SNES controller is perfect for Switch retro gaming, a proper D-pad. Nintendo Switch controllers shouldn't work as well as they do. That might be why options beyond a Joy-Con in each hand or the Switch Ohms Pro controller are far and few between. 8-Bit Do's latest wireless peripheral, the SN30 Pro, might be worth considering for your secondary controller needs. Beside that allure of nostalgia, the SN30 Pro particularly shines with older games and tries to balance a classic design with modern controls. Um, They picked up the European-Japanese model, uh, otherwise identical to the SF30 Pro, and they played with it. And it's much, it's basically a cross between the original SNES controller and uh, the PlayStation DualShock. Um, It's got, it's kind of a bigger version of the original SNES controller because it has two DualShock, um, what do they call it? I can't think. Um, The The DualShock pads? Yeah, DualShock pads, the, you know, the, like the old... Um, PlayStation controller, PlayStation 1 controller. It looks like a mix between a PlayStation 1 controller and a Super Nintendo controller. And to me, that's that's a perfect marriage because yeah. I love both those controllers. Uh, the original PlayStation controller is, it's in my top three as far as like favorite controllers because, you know, it fits perfectly in your hand. The buttons are easy to remember. The, the DualShock pads are placed perfectly. And 
of course, adding that little bit of a Nintendo twist to it. Yeah. I actually really, really like this. You know, I, I do, I, I get the, the little dig they gave at the proper D pad at the yeah. beginning, but you know, th- this is something that I would honestly consider getting because I love the super Nintendo controller as well. Yeah. Um, and the, the pro controller is cool, but with something like this, does it have listed a price? Uh, yeah. So the, um, both the purple hued SN30 Pro and the uh, superior SF30 Pro uh, are priced at fifty dollars to pre-order from Amazon. It's set to ship December tenth. Okay. Yeah that that's that's about right. I mean the the Pro controller I think is seventy, which yeah. is more expensive than a Switch game. You know, and I was actually thinking about getting myself a Pro controller over the Christmas holidays, um, but. Actually, I think I'm going to go this route because I am going to get the uh, uh, Switch Online when it comes out next year because yeah. you're going to be able to play retro games you know, for free with a $20 a year subscription. And the best way you know, to do that is to get this controller. You know, It looks like an old SNES controller, plus it's got the analog stick, so why not? Like I said, it's the perfect marriage. So and if, 50 bucks, I think, is is fairly reasonable for something like yeah. this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it looks like um, it's definitely Bluetooth because I don't see any sort of like it has to be Bluetooth in order to work with the Switch. Because I don't yeah. see sort of plug skimming through this. Yeah, it's got to be Bluetooth. Yeah, it have to be. Um, I don't know. I'm yeah, going to go and check this out. It says on... here for sure this is a Bluetooth gamepad. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to go check this out on Amazon and put it in my wish list for this year. Um, but this looks really cool. Go get, go uh, check it out on Engadget. Um, just look up 8-bit, 8, the, the number 8, B-I-T-D-O apostrophe S wireless SNES controller. Uh, and that'll bring up the article for you. And uh, just take a look at these. And if you're a Switch gamer and you like retro gaming, this is perfect. Absolutely. And uh, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Would you like to start us off this month, Derek, or this week? Sure. Uh, in December of 1980, Data East releases the Deco Cassette System, the first standardized arcade platform for which many games are developed during the golden age of arcade video games. I see, I had never heard of this before. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, it says... Let's see. Uh, Arcade owner would buy a base cabinet while the games were stored in a standard, on standard audio cassettes. The arcade owner would insert the cassette and a security dongle into the cabinet. When the cabinet was powered up, the program from the tape would be copied into the cabinet's RAM chips. The process took about two to three minutes. After this, the game could be played freely until the cabinet was rebooted. So... This that is sounds actually, like a huge pain. It does, but actually, I had a lot of games when I was a kid for the Commodore 64 that were actually on audio cassettes. That's an interesting concept. I've never heard of that. And I was wondering if this was the same thing, because when I read the Deco cassette system, I was thinking it was more like, uh, remember the Neo Geo cartridges? Mm-hmm. Like the big, fat, almost like VHS cartridges. And that's what I was thinking this was. But it's, this is actually more like how I gamed at home with the Commodore 64. Yeah. yeah that's pretty crazy. No, that, that that's that's a that's a pretty wild concept. 
Yeah, I, I had no idea this was how they did that back then. Little bitty cassette tapes. Yeah, I know. Star-Lord uh, would have been proud. Yeah. <laughs> awesome mix, volume two. Uh, <laughs> on December of 1981, Jump Bug, the first scrolling platformer developed by Hoy Corland, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and Alpha Denshi is distributed in North America by Rockola under license from Sega. Uh, do I remember Jump Bug? I don't. I don't remember this at all. I don't either. Uh, it says player controls a constantly bouncing car while driving through various environments, including a city, pyramid, and underwater. The height of the jump and speed of a fall can be controlled with a joystick, and the player can shoot various enemies that appear. You gain points by collecting treasure, killing enemies, and jumping on clouds. I have no recollection of mm -hmm. this at all. Mm -mm. No, it, it sounds like... Um, the the platformers where the character is like constantly moving i mean that's that's nothing that i'm unfamiliar with cuz i remember um the sonic games that were made exclusively for the wii uh i think it was sonic and the secret rings and sonic and the black knight yeah uh both had where sonic was constantly moving like you could control where he goes but you can never stop moving him hmm. it, it it adds an interesting dynamic to the platformer yeah that's cool yeah uh, December 14th, 1990, Commander Keen is released as Shareware, the first major platformer on a PC. I have never heard of this. <laughs> I don't remember this either. Uh, I don't even recognize the box art for this. Uh, and there mm -hmm. are, um, yeah, they have some screenshots. It actually looks a lot like uh, The Goonies 2 for the NES. Mm-hmm. It might, I don't know, some kind of weird platformer, uh, and probably somebody is screaming at their phone right now. How do you not know Commander Keen? <laughs> How dare you? Never I'm listen to sorry. this <laughs> On December 1st of 1991, now I do know this game, LucasArts releases Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge for Amiga, MS-DOS, Macintosh, and FM Towns. Uh, I have the, heard of Monkey Island. I've never played them, but I have heard of these yeah, games. Yeah, they were uh, point-and-click adventures back in the day. Uh, I played I played the monkey, first Monkey Island. I never played this one, though. I would like to go back and check it out, because I like the Monkey Island games a lot. I, I, I do I like recognize the box art. Yeah, I like point-and-click adventures, so you get a good point-and-click adventure, and I'm in. It was actually, they did an HD remake of this game in 2010, and it was released for, uh, or it was an HD remake, and then it was released again oh. for the Xbox One in February of this year. And uh, it has backwards compatibility on February 1st, 2017. So if you got an Xbox One, you can go pick this up right now. Interesting. Nice. I don't have an Xbox One, so I can't do that. <laughs> I would love to have one, though, just to play Cuphead. Yeah. But I, I could just get it on Steam. I, dude, if it, they would put Cuphead out on a Switch, I'd be a happy man. I, I'd get it the day it came out. Yeah. Uh, December 6th, 1991, Mega Man 4 is released in Japan. Love me some Mega Man. I'll, I'll get around to playing these games one day. Oh, I need to. <laughs> you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, my friend. Go get, go get Mega Man 2. Don't worry about one. You can go back and play that one after you play two. Mega Man 2 is the is the definitive entry point into the Mega Man franchise. Trust me. 
Uh, so I've heard. I'm not giving you any kind of rebuttal for that. You just need to go do it. So on December 13th of 1991, Tecmo releases Tecmo Super Bowl for the NES, the follow-up to 1989's Tecmo Bowl. I love Tecmo Bowl. It's probably one of the most fun, like, kind of, you know, not party games, but one of those games you just get with all your friends and you just... There's, like, no strategy to the game nope. whatsoever. It's just whoever gets Bo Jackson is the winner, <laughs> basically. Pretty, pretty much. And did you ever see the commercial they did with him? Like, uh, when they used the old graphics? I don't remember. When was this? So, it was... I think it was last year. Really? They did They did a... Um, they did... A, well, I want to say it was a car commercial. It's Bo Jackson. He drives into a stadium, and then it cuts to uh, the old uh, Tecmo graphics, and he's driving through the field. That's awesome. It, it's I, you should look it up when we're finished recording. It, it's it's a hilarious oh, commercial, but you know the, the Tecmo games were fun. I actually i I remember briefly playing them when I was a kid, and then they put the original Tecmo Bowl. I want to say it was the original Tecmo Bowl on the NES Classic, and oh, going yeah, back yeah, and yeah. playing that was. You know, oh, it's it was so, so much fun. They're they're ridiculous, but they're they're so much fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. December sixteenth, nineteen ninety one. Microprose releases Civilization, and as of two thousand five, it is still Sid Meier's most successful game. Sid Meier's the man who can make anything into an addictive game. Um, still to this day, I love the civilization games. Um, civilization five was a masterpiece. Uh, and mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever played civilization revolution for the Xbox 360. That was my favorite game for the Xbox 360 was civilization revolution. Never played, uh, never played a civilization game, but I, I know people who swear by it. Dude, you can go get. Um, actually, I got Civilization Five, the Game of the Year edition, or with like all the the um, extra stuff, all the you know the downloadable content, all the extra stuff. Last, it wasn't last Christmas. I think it was Christmas before. I got it on a Steam sale for like seven bucks, and I got everything with it, and it's awesome. Um, and I actually, I went back and looked recently to see if I could find. Um, Sid Meier's Pirates on Steam, but it was a little expensive, and I didn't want to do that. But I actually had that from my old PC, and I had it on the original Xbox. Because Sid Meier's Pirates is fun, and it's awesome. Sounds like it. Um, no, I'll definitely have to check those out one day. Oh, you should. Any Sid Meier's game is great. They're really addictive, so please be careful. Um, play responsibly. <laughs> On December 1st of 1991, and this will round us out for this, this month's video game history for this episode, Sega releases the Mega CD in Japan. So the Mega CD is the, uh, the Sega CD add-on, which was, when was it released in the U.S.? Um, North America. October 15th, 1992. Yeah, it was released uh, 10 months later in the U.S. Uh, probably, was this the first peripheral? Was the Sega CD the first peripheral for the Sega Genesis? Um, I think the 32X came after, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. I'll look that up real quick, so Wally doesn't correct us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the official just, fact checker. Because we just talked about the 32X, wasn't it last weekend or the weekend before? And I think that was 94 or 95. 
32X was released in 94. Yeah, I knew it had come later because the Sega Genesis eventually turned into this nightmarish beast <laughs> of add-ons and like you had to have like, you know, 15 different like um uh, extension cords in your room to make sure this thing had enough plugins to run and then you turn it yeah. on and it's like they have to, you know, the the power plant has to turn on like the nuclear backup to make sure that yeah. your your house stays running. <laughs> yeah. So, good on you Sega. You got a lot of life out of that Genesis, but damn what happened to you. It was like the Frankenstein of video game consoles. It was, man. It was crazy. Like I had a friend of mine uh when I was in I think it was in 12th grade and this was 1995 and he was still rocking a Sega Genesis cuz this was around the time that um you know the PlayStation 1 had just come out. He was rocking a Sega Genesis, and he had the 32X, he had the Sega CD add-on, He and it was like, like this big beast of a machine. I'm like, dude, this thing is nuts. Why don't you just go get a PlayStation? And yeah, just get a PlayStation, eventually. play some Crash Bandicoot, and you'll yeah, be all right. you're good, because uh, I can see the future, and Sega is not going to be around much longer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor Sega. And they were not. But before we go into our review for tonight... Uh, I want to let Derek talk to everyone about audiobooks. Yeah, so for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I texted Jason last week. Mm. I did finish The Legends of Luke Skywalker, and I was not a fan. <laughs> and I will explain why. The, the book in the beginning had an interesting concept that I wasn't sure if I liked it, but I was like, okay, I'll, I'll ride this train for a bit and see where it goes. And it actually kind of worked. And some of the stories were actually interesting. And there was one in particular that I felt could lead into the last Jedi in a way, because of some of the lessons that Luke was learning from other people who knew the force, but the stories just kind of got weird as the book went on and they just became less and less interesting. Like the first half of the book is pretty good, but then it just falls off right after that. And I struggled to get through that book. I'm not going to lie. And as soon as I finished it, I was just like, thank God. <laughs> so I, I would, I would say I, I would give that a no. Mm. So say, save your, Save your credit for something else. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to start next. I've got, because um, I'm so behind on stuff like other podcasts I'm listening to. Um, I've downloaded um, the Phasma book. I might do that one next. Um, I haven't started the new uh, Leia book that's written by Claudia Gray, who also did uh, Bloodline. So there are both of those that you know I've heard good things about. So yeah. I'm excited to to hear both of those. But well, I definitely want to check out that that one book, the uh, the from a certain point of view. Uh, that one too. Yes, I'm going to get that one really soon and listen to that over the the holidays. For sure, but Audible doesn't have just Star Wars. They have uh, if you're a gamer, they have books from the Halo series, Gears of War, Mass Effect. They've got fiction, nonfiction, mystery sci-fi romance anything you like audible has and if you're always on the go like i am audible's a great service to have to be able to continue to read without having to actually sit down and read a book and to do that go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave again that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave 
for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And tonight we're talking about selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Zelda music is always so pleasant and just, you know, very relaxing. It, it, this one's pleasant and also kind of dark in its own way. It really sets the mood for the game that I will be reviewing tonight, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, an action-adventure video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It was released in Japan in April of 2000, in North America in October of 2000, and in Europe, November 2000. So I was actually doing some research on this game because I haven't played this game in quite a while. I, the last time I played it was the remake they did for the 3DS. I think it was two years ago. I want to say it was in 2015, which was a really good remake. Um, both that and the Ocarina of Time remakes for the 3DS were very, very good. They went back and improved the graphics. The gameplay is a little bit tighter. There wasn't much to improve on with the gameplay, but <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, but still, the the remake is is very very good. So if you have a 3DS, I would recommend getting the the remastered version. Um, I was doing some research on this game because I knew that it came out pretty soon after Ocarina of Time, and if you've if you've played both games, the character models you know, the collectibles and everything look very similar. And I, I was wondering why that was the case. I thought it was just a case of them possibly being lazy, but I watched a, a video on YouTube and, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto actually gave the, uh, the creators of the game. They wanted the, he wanted them to do a completely new game and gave them one year to do it. Huh. So that was why they used like the same, some of the characters look the same, um, gameplay is the same environments, you know, kind of the same, but the, the story 
is actually one of the more intriguing ones in the entire franchise because it's completely different than Ocarina of Time. With Ocarina of Time, you've got the classic chosen hero who's fulfilling his destiny and overthrowing the power-hungry villain. This one has a true feel of impending doom. And to give a little bit of, of what the story is about, it takes place in the alternate world of Termina, which is similar to Hyrule, but in a way, the world was actually kind of unique because the detail was so intricate in this world because you basically have a time limit. The story is the moon is coming to crash on the on the earth, basically wiping out all life. And you have three days to figure out how to stop it. But there are so many different things going on in this game. Like a lot of the characters have their own independent schedule, but they're all united by this countdown to Armageddon, if you will. And there are so many cool side quests that you can do in this game. Um, and a lot of it has to do with masks, hence the title. Um, the villain is actually uh, the Skull Kid, who you meet in Ocarina of Time. Um, he's wearing this mysterious mask that he stole from a mask salesman, and he's put this curse on this world, and you basically have to figure out how to stop it. Hmm. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is it feels a lot more personal than a lot of the other Zelda games because a lot of side quests involve you helping people. And what sucks is once you get the Ocarina of Time at the end of like the first uh, three-day cycle, you get the Ocarina of Time right before the world ends. You play the Song of Time and you go back to the start of this cycle. And you have to do that multiple times. Uh, and it resets a lot of stuff. So like if you... If you help someone, like, say, find their dog or find their kid, and you see this happy reunion, when you go back in time, it resets all of that. <laughs> and there's this really cool side quest that you do. Um, there's this engaged couple named, uh, I think their names are Anju and uh, Kaffee, or Cafe. Um, the Skull Kid places this curse on, uh, on Kaffee, turning him into a kid. So he's obviously ashamed, so he puts this mask on and goes into hiding. And you spend part of that cycle trying to reunite them. And if you do everything right, they reunite right before the world ends. <laughs> so so if you're not ready to fight the final boss, then you have to go back to, you know, to the start of the cycle, and they're not united anymore. So you go from seeing these two at their happiest point to then just not remembering any of it. It's weird, like listening to you talk about this game, because like I said, this was one of the the couple of Zelda games that I never played, so I had really no clue what the storyline behind this game was. Um, and there's actually on the actual uh, the the Wikipedia page for Majora's Mask, there's an actual uh, video here <clears throat> that's an animated history of the development of Majora's Mask, and I would like to actually take a look at this. Um, when we're done here tonight, because it's crazy to think that he only gave him one year to come up. Uh, I mean, was it one year from like conception to this needs to be out? Wow. Yes. That's nuts. That, that's why they recycled a lot of the stuff. I would too. Because that, that cut down <laughs> so much of the time. And the interesting thing, like, some of the Zelda games had teased, you know, transformations or little things to kind of 
break up the formula, but they went all in with this because yeah. you actually can transform into uh, three different species, the Deku scrub, the Goron and the Zora. And the way you do that, like each of these characters have their own unique story. So say um, the Zora character, the original incarnation of this Zora is named Macau and he's a guitar player for a Zora rock band. And he's mortally wounded by these pirates because he's gone to this pirate's den to recover the eggs of the lead singer of their band <laughs> who, and it turns out that he may or may not, it's alluded to, but it's not flat out said, but that he may be the father of these Zora eggs. So you find him, he's mortally wounded and he asks you to heal, like heal his soul. And you play the song called the song of healing that you learn at the beginning of the game. And it, puts his soul in a Zora mask. So when you put it on, you actually become Macau. Wow. Same thing, you know, like with the Goron, it's, he's basically like the guardian of the entire Goron tribe who ends up getting killed. Um, and there are four different subworlds of, uh, of Termina and they're all affected in some way. Like the, the swamp is poisoned um, the Gorons who live in the mountains are trapped in an endless winter with the Zoras. The water is like so warm, it's almost uninhabitable. And then the desert world is ridden with zombies and the undead. Wow. So, so you have to heal all of these worlds, <laughs> like subworlds of, of Termina. So it's, it's kind of an, an intimate feeling game and you almost feel like this feeling of gratitude because you have to help so many people because this a whole story is about, you know, loss and redemption. Like you, you redeem these characters who ultimately couldn't achieve their goal because they were killed. Hmm. I definitely so, want to try this out. I'm hoping that with uh, the switch online, that a lot of this stuff's going to be released for the switch. At least I would think it would be because uh, it says here, <clears throat> Uh, the Majora's Mask 3D uh, was released, let's see, it said would be released for the Nintendo 3DS in the Northern Hemisphere in spring of 2015. Uh, the remake features imp uh, improved character models and stereoscopic 3D graphics along with altered boss battles and an additional fishing minigame. A special edition featuring a pin badge, double-sided poster, and steel book was released in Europe. I forgot about the altar boss battles. I actually didn't care for that in the 3DS version because so it made it a little altered, too complex. What do they mean altered boss battles? So there are, there are four different dungeons that you have to go through in the game. In the the original version, you pretty much, you know, when you find their weakness, there's all, with, with a Zelda boss, there's always a part where you expose the boss's weakness and you yeah. attack it. Well, that's the thing then, with Zelda that, you know, they're the granddaddies of like the different phase of the boss fights. Like there's, you know, like two yeah. or three phases to each boss fight and you have to do, he, you know, it, each phase is different. He does something different and you have to figure out what his weakness is or how to counter something in that different phase. Yeah. Well, in the 3D version, all the bosses have like this giant eye on them that becomes exposed at a certain time and you have to attack like that particular point, which I, I thought was kind of weird and it makes it kind of, I just felt like it was an unnecessary change. Hmm. 
That's weird. Yeah, yeah it, it was they, it was really odd. That seems like a weird, like unnecessary change. No, it was absolutely an an unnecessary change. I didn't know this. On December twenty fourth, two thousand ten. Majora's Mask was voted as Game of the Decade by GameFAQs, beating out Super Smash Bros. Brawl, which had beaten The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess two rounds prior. I actually didn't know that. Majora's Mask was one of those games that I felt like when it first came out, it didn't really get the credit that it deserved. But as the years have gone by, a lot of Zelda fans will say this is... You know, some say it's their favorite. Yeah. And some will say it's in their, you know, top three, top five. It's definitely, I would probably put it in my, I would probably rank it third. I would go, well, no, I'd say probably fourth. I would go Ocarina, Breath of the Wild, Link to the Past, Majora's Mask would be my number four. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of it say. is just because it follows the Zelda formula. But in a way, it doesn't because it introduces the mask transformation. It yeah. introduces the time limit that you have. It introduces, you know, the the independent characters that each kind of have their own thing going on. Because that was the one thing with Ocarina of Time is that you were pretty much just going through Hyrule trying to, you know, defeat Ganondorf. But with this game, you feel like you have a personal interaction with everybody because everybody has their own, their own thing, their own agenda. Like you go into Hyrule market and Ocarina of time and they just say some generic thing. But with, with this game, you feel almost like you're in more of a real world. So it's, uh, I mean, you still have to go after Ganon, but it's more based on basically like what it sounds like is like, it's it's a game of side quests. Basically it's really, that's what it is. And I tell people Majora's mask is a giant side quest. That sounds cool. I like doing the side quests. And it, it actually, it takes place immediately after Ocarina of time. You play as, as the child link right after you defeat Ganondorf and the, it's implied, but basically what happens is after Ocarina of Time, Link and his fairy Navi become separated. So he's going off to to find her, and then he gets ambushed by the Skull Kid who's wearing Majora's mask. He steals the Ocarina of Time, steals Epona, your horse, and then you chase after him. You end up in this alternate world, and the, uh, the you-know-what hits the fan. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it says here, and this is actually something I didn't know about, but I'm going to look for this since I have a GameCube. It says, in 2003, Nintendo released Majora's Mask on the GameCube as part of the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition, a special promotional disc which also contained three other Legend of Zelda games and a 20-minute demo of Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. The disc Mm -hmm. came bundled with a GameCube console as part of a subscription offered in Nintendo to Nintendo Power Magazine or through Nintendo's official website. Um, so there's got to be some of these discs floating out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Love. I remember. I remember that disc very well. Yeah, it was. Um, and another thing that I, I didn't mention in the beginning of this, like the development of this game, what ultimately became Majora's Mask. Um, a lot of like the hardcore Zelda fans will know this, but. Um, the original sequel in Japan was called Yura Zelda, and it was going to be for the 64 disc drive peripheral 
that was only released in Japan. Now, that eventually became Zelda Master Quest, which may or may not be on that disc that you're talking about. I know it, that was eventually released in America as part of like a promotion of something. So I think that might have been it. And that was when um, Miyamoto said, no, I want a completely new game. Yeah, I'm looking up the uh, the um, uh, Legend of Zelda collection. But all it does is take me to Wind Waker page, um, redirected from the Legend of Zelda collector's edition. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's a redirect because like, apparently that page doesn't exist anymore. That's weird. And I would say, because I sent you the, the video a couple of days ago, there's a short yeah. film that was, I think it was fan-made. Yeah, it's only like four minutes long, but it's awesome. It's the precursor to the story of this game. And the animation looks unbelievably good. Yeah. You sent it to me and I was like, what is this? Is like, is this a, <laughs> is this a Zelda series? Like, is this a teaser for a Zelda series? And you were like, no, it's just a short film. I'm like, never been so crushed in my life. I'm like, why? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> why would you do this to me? <laughs> no, if it was, if there were a series announced, it wouldn't be a text. It would be a phone call. And I you would know. just hear me screaming like a five-year-old girl. <laughs> There's a Zelda series coming. Like I, I'm waiting for that day that they're gonna announce a Zelda series because why not? It it it's perfect for like a Netflix series. Yep. Like they did it with Castlevania. Like you got your feet wet. You know it could be done. Why not make a Zelda series? And it doesn't even and have to even... be like twelve episodes. Do it in four to six episode seasons. Do it just like you did Castlevania. Do like a four-episode test run, and if you do it right, I guarantee you people will love it. People will watch it. It, it that just it it's beyond me why this has not been done before now. Yeah. Um, as far as reception of this game goes, uh, it was really, really well perceived. Uh, let's see. Game Informer called the three-day cycle one of the most inventive premises in all of gaming and, and stated that without question, Majora's Mask is the finest adventure the N64 has to offer. And it's often regarded as the darkest and most original game in the Legend of Zelda series. Uh, it's called oddest, darkest, and saddest of all Zelda games. Uh, IGN described it as the Empire Strikes Back of Nintendo 64. Wow. It's the same franchise, but more intelligent, darker, and tells a much better storyline. Wow. That's pretty high praise. Yeah. And it was placed uh, on Game Informer's Top 100 Games of All Time uh, in 2001. It was ranked 68th, and then they redid the list in 2009, and it was moved up to 63. Hmm. I'm going to have to play so this. I think you would really like it. It's like I said, it, it kind of breaks the formula of Zelda, but it, the flow of it is still kind of the same, but adding the, the, the time limit cycle, adding in the masks, all these storylines that you can be a part of. And you even like at the beginning of the game, you get a book that you keep track of everything. Like you say in day one, you did this to help, you know, this couple day two, you did this and so on and so forth. Yeah. So you can actually keep track of everything that you've done. And the book will be, if you do everything, it will be 
like jam full of stuff. That's awesome. I'm going to definitely keep my eye out for the, uh, the GameCube uh, Zelda series, the collector series, because that'd be a great, um, great disc to pick up if I could find one somewhere for a good price. For sure. Um, as far as reviews, let's see. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 10 out of 10. Game Informer, 9.75 out of 10. Game Zone, 9.9. IGN, 9.9. Uh, Nintendo Power, 9.4. They were always so critical of their own games. Come on, yeah. give it a 10. <laughs> and then uh, GMR gave it a 10 out of 10. It was voted um, Action Game of the Year by Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences in the year 2000. And like wow. you said, GameFAQs voted it as Game of the Decade for the 2000s. It's crazy. It's Zelda, it's, man. Zelda, great games. Mm-hmm. No, and I, in keeping up with you know most of the Zelda games, the music is is very good. Um, the the score obviously to fit the tone is a lot darker, but it's still like you played the opening theme to the game. It's still pleasant in its own way, even though you have this feeling that you know everything is about to come to an end. Yeah. Uh, but so as Koji Kondo did most, did he do almost all of the legend of Zelda music? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was originally he hired by Nintendo in 1984, becoming the first person hired by the company to specialize in musical composition for games. His, uh, let's see he's, here. he's so good. Oh, yeah, this dude, man, his list of games that he's done uh, music for. Uh, Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda series, Pilot Wings, Yoshi's Island. Um, let's see, uh, the original Doki Doki Panic, which was uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 in America. Like, this mm -hmm. dude, like he goes back to Atari. Like, wow, this guy's been around. You could say he's almost like the John Williams of yeah, video game music. Exactly. Still working it, man. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't do the the score for Breath of the Wild, which I thought was very surprising, but the, the score to Breath of the Wild is really good too. It's really good, but it's very understated. Like it's not in your face. There's a lot of ambient yeah. noise in that game. Um, really the only time music really kicks in is, you know, if you get to a new town or, you know, you get, um, like, uh, in a battle or something like that. Um, it really lets you know, because you're in that world where you, you know, you've got a 360 view around you of this world, you know, when something's about to, to attack you from behind because the music kicks in and you're just like, Oh shit. <laughs> like what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's it's still a really good score. But like you said, it, it's much more subtle yeah. than all these other Zelda games. Um, as far as as far as a number score, I would I would say I'd give this game a nine and a half. And the only reason why I don't give it a ten is even though I know the circumstances, but it it still is similar like look wise to Ocarina of Time. Like that would be the only thing. Like if they had given this like an extra year and they had changed the look of it a little bit, maybe make yeah. it look a little bit darker, it, it would have been, you know, it, it would probably be like top two on my list. But Majora's Mask is a very, very good game. And I, I'm glad that now it's getting 
I feel like now it gets more credit than it did back when it first came out all the way back in 2000. So very, very good game. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause I was talking to Tina uh, earlier today, actually um, about the breath of the wild. And I was like, you know, cause she's been watching me play some of it. And I'm like, we've come a long way from the top down eight bit version of Zelda. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. even though that game's still fun to go back and play and link to the past is still my all time favorite Zelda game. Like this game is just gorgeous, man. It's it takes it so to a whole nother cool. level. Yeah. It's, it's in a class all its own. Like there's just, if you haven't played breath of the wild, you just, you don't know until you actually start playing it. And then you're like, Oh, I get it now. Yeah, for sure. But, um, but that's going to bring us to the end of the show for this week. Uh, I am going to do, uh, I think I'm, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do Batman Returns for the SNES next week because that's the only game I can think of that actually has sort of a Christmas theme to it. Um, and I like that game too. And I was thinking about it today. I, I'll save this for next week, but you know, people always talked about how bad Batman games were back in the day. They weren't really bad. You're like, this is actually a decent game. It's a decent beat-em-up game. And then, you know, I talked about the original Batman, the video game for the NES. That game's hard, but it's great. So, you know, I I don't know what people were talking about when they're like, oh, Batman games used to be crap before, you know, the Arkham games. I'm like, not really. You need to go back and, and play some of this stuff. I'll try to find a uh, a Max Shrek outfit yeah. to wear on the show next week. <laughs> Uh, Max Shrek um, uh, with Christopher Walken. Uh, <laughs> you know, this you game know. is not very bad. You should go back and play it on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That's such a horrible impression. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but everybody's got their own Walken impression, though, yeah. so it, it's all good. I tell you what, I got a fever. And the only prescription... It's Batman Returns. It's Batman Super Returns Nintendo. Super Nintendo. Oh my gosh, we got to stop now. <laughs> so uh, any last words, uh, anything you want to pimp before we leave here tonight? Yeah, uh, this Tuesday I will be doing another Facebook Live AMA uh, for my solo show, The Derek Diamond Experience. Did one last week. Uh, it was actually, they're, they're starting to get some more traction. I think mm-hmm. I had almost 20 people watching at one time last week, so... Uh, it was a lot of fun, um, just you know, pretty much taking questions about anything. You know, I told uh, I told some pretty funny college stories last week, so um, you you never know what you're gonna get with those. So uh, it'll be this Tuesday at seven thirty uh, Central Time. Just go to Facebook.com/slash/ddiamondpodcast. Uh, as far as uh, the pop culture palette, we took last week off because we're going to a bi-weekly schedule now. Uh, and the next week's episode is going to be all about the music industry and uh, my um, my time as a musician, a working musician, in the time of uh, when illegal downloads and MP3s were all the rage and uh, what that did to us as a, a working band. Um, with, you know, being signed and, and all that stuff. So what, you know, how it affected us. So it's going to be a really interesting show. So please head over there to, uh, PCP radio.com. That's going to drop, 
uh, this coming up Saturday. So please do not miss that show. No, I'm really excited to hear it. Like I, 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 from what you've told me, I really like the new format that you guys are doing. So especially stories like that, I, I can't wait to download it. Yeah. And it's going to be really fun. You know, like, uh, I get to sit back and, and be sort of like the guest on the show this week because Wally and Stephanie are going to be the ones kind of guiding me and the other guest, my old bass player. And then we're just going to kind of ask us questions and figure out, you know, what all happened <laughs> at, at that time of my life and everything weird that happened in my life at that time. Cause it was a really strange time to be, to try to be a working musician and it's not at all what people think it is. It's not all, you know, tour buses and, and getting to do what you want to do. It's a lot of weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Please everybody head over there and listen to that episode, but that's going to do it for this week. And Derek, thank you for uh, helping me do this show. My friend, you know, this is this, my favorite thing we do all week. And, you know, when you, we texted me earlier today, I was like, uh Oh, Derek's going to drop a bomb about something tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but oh i will i will yeah. after the after the tapes are rolling <laughs> but i love doing the show and, and thank you for for wanting to do this show with me way back in the day and we're already up to 64 episodes and that just blows my mind i actually realized the irony of that i did a nintendo 64 review for episode 64 yeah. 64 that's 64. awesome that's awesome <laughs> i didn't even think about that but no, as I, I remember, you know, you coming to me a year and a half ago with this concept and I, you know, I thought it was genius and it, like you, it's something I look forward to doing every single week. I love going back and, you know, playing these old games that I loved growing up and yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone feels the same way, but when you, when you play a game like a Super Mario World or a Zelda or whatever game you grew up loving it just takes you back to a simpler time. Exactly. And I think that's I, I, that's what I like to try to convey on this show is, you know, making people remember stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I brought this up, you know, talking about thank you for, you know, doing this show with me because the world needs a little bit of escapism and entertainment right now. So if there's anything out there, especially like retro gaming, that can kind of put you in a better state of mind. Because I try to stay off of social media lately, lately because, good lord, the world is just crazy, man. I, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be in. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much stay off of Facebook except for yeah. like to promote my show. But that and that's being, about it. That being said, if you do enjoy this show, please go over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your show from and leave us a review. Because uh, the better, the more reviews we have, the more, uh, the higher in the rankings we get, and the it, easier it is for people to find us, especially on like iTunes and Stitcher, uh, Overcast, and all those kind of things. So please go leave us a review. Uh, if you're watching us on Twitch or if you watch us on YouTube, please thank you so much. And uh, I've actually been toying with the idea of instead of uh, streaming to Twitch, thinking we should stream to uh, to Facebook Live, but you know. Uh, that's kind of something we need to talk about, but I was actually thinking about yeah. putting that up as a, uh, you know, uh, something on Twitter or something like, would people prefer us to be on Twitch or Facebook live? Like which one's easier for people to, to be able to watch us live. So, yeah. 
definitely something to talk about. Yeah, we can do that. But let's go ahead and get out of here for this week. Let me go ahead and turn up our music here. Uh, if you would like to email us, we're at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on nerdcaveretro.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. At, and you can follow us individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek... Tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 